Hi. Hi. I'm Michaela Broga. This is my second year on staff with Chi Alpha. And when these Kingdom courses started, we really wanted to emphasize what different people were passionate about when it came to the Kingdom of God. Yeah. And so as we are all different, we have different relationships with God that catch a different glimpse of the Lord and His character. So when Shay asked me, what am I passionate about? What really gets my groove going? What's my niche? <laughs> so I immediately have a flashback so everyone focus with me. Okay, ready? Imagine. It is a cold and crisp Thursday night. It was the fall semester of 2021. Sam Pitt just gave a riveting sermon on lordship. You know, the classic phrases, if he isn't the Lord of all of your life, isn't the Lord of all, all that stuff. Wonderful. Everyone's crying. Everyone's repenting. So the students are slowly making their ways to the altar. And of course, he says the famous words, worship team, come back up. So I shimmy my way out of my seat, head over to the piano, and as the song starts, the lyrics continue. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to him, I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. So as the lyrics are going, of course, I'm praying to God that this is just my heart cry. That please, God, I surrender my entire life to you. And that I don't want to control it because you are in charge. And it was wonderful. It was great. I wiped my tears because, you know, I cry a lot. <laughs> and then I carried on with the rest of the night. That same month, I was praying that same prayer and singing that same exact lyrics. And then my world turns upside down. My paycheck cuts in half abruptly. The Lord urges me to have a hard conversation with my parents that ministry as my occupation was just not for that year. I had three job offers that the Lord was closing the doors to. And at that time, I thought I was going to die an old Spencer because I graduated college and still no one was interested in me. So then all the while, I was still singing, all to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. Which was absolutely a complete lie <laughs> because at that moment, I could not trust in the Lord's promises and his plans because I was vigorously trying to squeeze in mine. And that wasn't even the worst part. It gets worse. As I came to the absolute end of myself, I got on my knees and I had the audacity to say, you know what, God, I am not sure I'm completely ready to give and trust you with that part of my life just yet. To which he kindly, ever so kindly responded with, if you don't mean it, don't sing it to me. And so I really just thought it was just a cool, catchy song. Um, it was fun. Love the lyrics. But don't you just love it when you come to the Lord for comfort and he just convicts you instead? And so now the information we're talking about in class today is nothing new. But these are just some slightly incorrect statements I have heard from both new believers, people who have been walking with God for years, and even myself. Although we don't always say it out loud, there are some subconscious thoughts that sometimes come into our mind that hinder us from truly entering the Holy of Holies. Yeah. So let me know if any of y'all have thought of any of these or even said them out loud. Are y'all ready? Yeah. Yes. Okay, so the first one. I am too busy to worship. 
All right. I don't know if y'all notice anything about these slides, but I put the terrible statements we say on cute little slides with flowers on it. <laughs> so uh, if the Lord convicts us and rips our necks out, it's okay because the slides are really cute with the flowers on it. Yeah. So yeah. keep an eye out. Keep an eye out. Okay. So with that in mind, worship is a form of just spending time with Jesus. Yeah. And so if the Lord is to be our Lord, worship must have a priority in our lives. The first commandment of Jesus says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and with all your strength in Mark 12, 30. So, even if the busy things we are doing are good things, like discipling or feeding the poor on a Saturday night that you're free, the divine priority is worship first and service second. Activity is the enemy of adoration. Yes, activity is the enemy of adoration. And so, as believers and as people, we have the honor of wearing different hats. This may include a student, a friend, a spouse, um, a small group leader, a company leader, worship team member, all the fun different hats we get to wear as roles and responsibilities. But these hats mean nothing unless the hat sits on a stable head, which is what we are labeled with a stable head, is sons and daughters of the king. It does not matter how many hats that you have. Without a stable head, a hat is unnecessary and useless. But don't worry, guys, because there is hope. Robert Boyd Munger writes, My Heart's Christ Home. Describing different rooms in a house being compared to different parts of our hearts and our relationship with Jesus. Like a library describing our devotional life and a secret closet that we sometimes hide from our guests. Robert Boyd mentions the living room. So we're going to read it real quick. Can someone read this one slide, please? From the dining room, we walked into the living room. This room was intimate and comfortable. I liked it. It had a fireplace, overstuffed chairs, a sofa, and a quiet atmosphere. He said, this is indeed a delightful room. Let us come here often. It is secluded and quiet, and we can fellowship together. Well, as a young Christian, I was thrilled. I couldn't think of anything I would rather do than have a few minutes with Christ in close companionship. He promised, I will be here early every morning. Meet me here, and we will stay the day together. So morning after morning, I would come downstairs to the living room. He would take a book of the Bible from the case. We would open it and read together. He would unfold to me the wonder of God's saving truths. My heart sang as he shared the love and the grace he had had toward me. These were wonderful times. Thank you, Cody. Can someone read the next slide? However, little by little, under the pressure of many responsibilities, this time began to be short. Why? I'm not sure. I thought I was too busy to spend regular time with Christ. This was not intentional. You understand, it just happened that way. Finally, not only was the time shortened, but I began to miss days now and then. Urgent matters would crowd out the quiet times of conversation with Jesus. I remember one morning, rushing downstairs, eager to be on my way. I passed the living room and noticed that the door was open. Looking in, I saw a fire at the fireplace, and Jesus was sitting there. Suddenly in dismay, I thought to myself, He is my guest. I invited him into my heart. He has come as my Savior and friend, and yet I am, <coughs> I am neglecting him. I stopped and turned and hesitantly went in. With downcast glance, I said, Master, forgive me. 
Have you been here all these mornings? Thank you, Zwalk. Can someone read the last one? Yes, he said. I told you I would be here every morning to meet with you. Remember, I love you. I have redeemed you at great cost. I bow your fellowship, even if you cannot keep the quiet time for your own sake. Do it for mine. The truth that Christ desires my companionship, that he wants me to be with him and waits for me, has done more to transform my quiet time with God than any other single fact. Don't let Christ wait alone in the living room of your heart, but every day find time when, with your Bible and in prayer, you may be together with him. Thank you, First Lady. Isn't it reassuring that even when we miss spending time with God because we're busy, he kindly and undeservingly waits for us. Scripture is filled with examples of God's effort to initiate, restore, and maintain fellowship with his children. Even in the crucifixion, Jesus drew men and women to himself in John 12, 32. Y'all ready for the next one? Y'all ain't ready for the next one. Okay, so the worship team isn't good. I don't know this song. Any of y'all said that? Any of y'all say that one? I say that sometimes. I say that sometimes. So, if we wait for the worship sets to always be our favorite songs and the guitar solos to always be life-changing, we will never fully enter the throne room of God. As David was in the wilderness of Judah, he proclaimed, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So you have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and your glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. In Psalm 63, 1-4. So David worshipped by just expressing the astonishing characteristics of who God was and how he longs to get to know him more. He didn't have 12 harps playing. He didn't have a 50-person choir. But significantly, David was not in a tabernacle when he sang this song, but was in the middle of the wilderness of Judah. Yet he knew that God's sanctuary was not only a place, but also a spiritual concept that could be entered by faith no matter where a person is. And so, if we believe one, that the Bible is true. Do we believe that? Two, we believe that the same God of the Bible is the same God that we currently serve. Do we believe that? Then why is it that the people back then were not high maintenance with their worship, but we are? So, if you truly care what the music sounds like over what the altar of the Lord can offer, I invite you to go to a concert instead. All right, y'all ready for the next one? I don't know. know. Okay, we're going to do it anyways. Okay, I do not need to worship corporately. What's really sweet about worship is that we could do it home alone in our house, but we have the privilege of being able to do it into a group of people. So Isaac Pennington says that when people are gathered for genuine worship, They are like a heap of fresh and burning coals, warming one another as a great strength and freshness of life flows into all. So one log by itself cannot burn for very long, but when many logs are put together, even if they're poor, terrible, 
and not the best logs, they can quite make a nice fire. Also, fun fact, corporate worship is not just for you, but you are able to witness to others. So this past semester, Katie had this wonderful idea of having a choir. And so 30 of the most willing people showed up and we had this practice where we all came in early and we got to sing together. And although there was a lot of people, it was very fun. And uh, a girl who was walking by the CJ Auditorium at the time came up to Cooper and was like, what is happening in here? And Cooper was like, oh, they're just practicing for worship. And um, the girl was like, hey, this looks a lot of fun. What is it for? And that opened the door to have her have a relationship with Christ. And so the love of God is absolutely contagious and attractive. Don't be the person that stops the spread of it. Even under highly dangerous circumstances, the early community was urged not to forsake the assembling of themselves together. And Hebrews 10.25 clearly states, for we are the body of Christ. All right, here's the next one. I can keep worshiping at my seat with my arms crossed. Okay, so the Bible actually, I did not know this until um, I was studying, so it was a wild time for me. The Bible describes worship in also physical terms. So the word bless literally translates to to kneel. And thanksgiving refers to the extension of a hand. And so not that the Lord can't speak to you or the Holy Spirit can't move while you're in your seat. Um, He is so powerful that he can do whatever he wants. But have you tried to sleep standing up? I think I've only done it a couple times, and that's solely because I donut wheeled the night before, so I accidentally fell asleep. You know what I mean? But I will let you know that the minute I lay down on my bed, I'm gone. You will never see me ever again. You will not catch me talking to you after I've laid down for five minutes in. And why is that? The posture of my body helped the action I was meaning to do. So that is just like us in worship. Although you can pray and sing at your seat, changing your physical posture can help change your heart posture to be more in tuned, more focused to hear what the Lord is trying to tell you. But then you're here and you're telling me, Michaela, you you don't understand. I can't do it. I'm just really shy. But often our reserved temperament is a little more than just fear of what others will think of us or perhaps our unwillingness to humble ourselves before God and others. So, as the wise first lady Jewel Walker has once said, that is called pride and there's no room for that in the kingdom of heaven. (laughs) And our last point is worship is just music. So, although singing, praying, and praising may lead to worship, Worship is more than anything of them. So what is it? We just said everything worship isn't and all of our bad thoughts, but at the end of the day, what is it? Worship is our response to the overthrones of love from the heart of the Father. So we can use all the right techniques, all the right methods, but we have not worshipped the Lord until there is a kindle of the Spirit of God that touches our human spirit as well. It is to know, to feel, to experience the resurrected Christ in the midst of gathered community and behind closed doors. 
So William Temple says, to worship is to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God, to feed the mind with the truth of God, to purge the imagination by the beauty of God, to open the heart to the love of God, and to devote the will to the pur purpose of God. So I'm going to challenge you with this. The next time you are able to worship, whether it's tonight at Chi Alpha, plug 7 p.m. CJ Auditorium, or in your room sobbing at 4 a.m. I do that. Anyone else do that? <laughs> so go over these three thoughts. The first thing is, as God is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, there is not much we can offer him on behalf that he cannot do or has already. So what gift can you offer someone who can make a mountain by just his words? Think of worship as any grouping of words or actions that ultimately bring glory and a sense of adoration, which to him is an unmatchable gift. And let me tell you how real this is, because my very sassy and energetic niece, Harley, is just two years old. And this past Christmas, she got a play camera. It's a little plastic camera that takes no more than 10 photos before it's like broken, okay? <laughs> so after my family and I opened presents at Christmas, she spent the rest of the night taking photos of us. Five minutes later, she ran up and yelled, Pippa, because she was beyond excited to show me that she took a photo of me all by herself. Do you want to see the photo? Are you ready? I'm not, okay. <laughs> Y'all are saying, ah, oh, but let me tell you, not ah, um, okay? <laughs> because one, the photo's grainy. Two, mediocre quality at best, okay? <laughs> Three, um, half of the photo is just my dog and not me, okay? <laughs> and uh, fourth, like from afar, you can't even tell it's me. If I didn't tell y'all that was me, I don't think anyone would have guessed it, okay? But although this is not the best photo, because Harley loved her Aunt Pippa so much, she tried with all her heart to offer me a gift of a good photo of me. And that is how the Lord is with our worship. Whether we sing like Carrie Job or Roxana Perez, who in my opinion is the most joyful singer I have ever heard. Y'all should stand next to her at worship. A pure and holy worship is the best gift in the Lord's eyes. Now this means for both if you're sitting in your seat and if you're helping on the worship team as well. Mm -hmm. And so there's people out here who are a little bit musically inclined, but you're like, no, like I'm scared, I can't do it. Like so many people are so much better than me. Um, let me tell y'all what happened at Breakaway one time, okay? Oh, so about four years ago, someone came up to me and was like, hey, you're leading worship for all Breakaway and it was, Kim and Kim's company and Shay and Lauren's company at the time. And so, um, whoever thought that was a good idea, I don't know, but I was like, yes, I'll do it, sure. And that day we played Oh Come to the Altar, um, except all of our sheet music um, disappeared by the time we got on stage. So the entire song, everyone was guessing what chords we were playing. No one played the same chords. Everyone who's singing was not on key because they weren't landing on the same chords. It was beyond horrific, I will say. It was terrible. But that same day, 
there was four confirmed girls who gave their life to Jesus yeah. that one worship service. Yeah. And so, yep. And so, although not the best, we tried our hardest and we asked the Lord to move when we couldn't. Yeah. And so, don't limit the Holy Spirit on what He can do and use you for His kingdom. Yeah. The next thing to think about is a striking feature of worship in the Bible is that people gathered in what we can only call a holy expectancy. They believed that they would actually hear the voice of God. When the early believers in Acts gathered, they were aware that the veil has been ripped in two and they were able to enter the Holy of Holies. They gathered with anticipation, knowing that Christ was present among them and would teach and um, touch them with his loving power. Yeah. Do you believe that? Um, but how do we get this holy expectancy that everyone talks about? While living out the demands of our day, we are filled with an inward worship and adoration. Brother Lawrence knew this reality yeah. because he, he experienced the presence of God in his kitchen. And so by the time he saw people in the mass, he felt it as well. Yeah. He says, those who have once tasted the Shekinah of God in daily experience can never again live satisfied without the presence of the practice of the presence of God. And lastly, something to think about. Just as worship begins in a holy expectancy, it ends in a holy obedience. So if worship doesn't propel us into a greater obedience, it has not been truly worship. So to worship is to change. Holy obedience saves worship from just being an escape from pressing needs of modern life. I don't ever want us to think, oh, we're just having a hard day, but it's okay. When we play worship music on, the world stops, and I don't have any problems anymore. Yeah. That's not how life works. Um, it, it, it makes all religious paraphernalia of temples and priests and ceremonies irrelevant. It involves a willingness to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts of God. Yeah. That's Colossians 3.16. Mm -hmm. That is why when we worship, we don't just sing and offer sacrifices randomly. We are here to be completely transformed by God. That is why we not only speak with our chest and mean what we say, but we also sing with our chest. Yeah. yeah. So as worship is something we do, studying theology and debating forms of worship are all good and are fun to learn, but by themselves are inadequate. So we learn to worship by worshiping. So I asked Cody to play a couple songs and let's um, take the rest of the time to just sit and change our posture, or change our posture, and let's lift up the name of Jesus as we enter the Holy of Holies, because we can sit here and listen to me ring out 300 words, but does it really mean anything if we're not obedient as well? Yeah. Yeah. So.